Good evening. Today we are starting on Daf Testament Beis at a new Mishnah, uh, about eight lines down, and we're going to be learning um, that Amud Testament Beis, and we're going to be learning a lot of Daf Yud, but not all of it. We'll be starting at the last of the short lines on Yudamid Beis, and then we'll be totally caught up in Mir Hashem tomorrow. Um, I don't think I'm traveling this week, so I can't. I have a bris. Yeah. No, I, it would have been a judgment if I didn't have a reason to not go. I would have gone in a minute. I asked the OU to fly me. They're like, no. All right. Eight lines down, Testament Bays, we have a new Mishnah. Um, this Mishnah is a little bit cryptic, and it's going to require some unpacking, as we will soon see in our Gemara. The Gemara says, In any case scenario where I am obligated in the Shmira, if I'm obligated to take care of something that has the potential to cause damage, Hechsharti es nizko. I've basically given a hechsher to its damage, meaning I'm achroi. If I have a dog, if I have a, uh, something that can cause damage, whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is, but if I have anything, let's call one of the avos nizikin just to keep it clean, shor bor ma behever. If I have any of those, then if I am chav bishmi raso, then I'm hechsher as nizko. And even, says the Mishnah, if we have a case of hechsharti b'miktas nizko, even if I have only been machshir part of the damage, and we'll see what this means in the Mishnah, what's a case scenario where, where I've enabled only part of damage? Either you're guilty or you're not. We'll see what this means in the Gemara. And in that case, where I'm partially held accountable for the damage, I'm obligated for all of the damage. So again, this case is difficult to understand on its face, and we'll analyze it in the Gemara. And when does this rule apply? When do these rules apply? Says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, three lines into the Mishnah. It's only true by Nechasim She'ein Bahen Me'ila. It's only true by properties that don't have a din of Me'ila, where if you, in fact, misuse that property, you will violate the Yisra Me'ila. It doesn't apply in regards to Nechasim She'ein Shel Bnei Bris. Uh, it, it, it only applies in regards to Yidin. Nechasim Ham Yuchadim. We don't know what these terms mean. It means that uh, some, some type of special properties. It applies anywhere. Unless there's a property that's specific to the Mazik where that doesn't apply. Let's say I have a cage for my for my German shepherd and you decide to put a stake in there to keep. You're you're not the smart one. You That was that was Yuchadis Lamazik. That was my cage from my German shepherd. Don't put a piece of meat there if you're planning on keeping it. And then this case for sure makes no sense. What other exception to the rule of, of location? Again, unclear. The Mishnah concludes, Just like our Mishnah on Daf Beis had ended that we're chayev to pay that when we are paying from Karka in the case of Nezikim, we have to pay for the best of our lands. The same thing is true here in this Mishnah, that when I am obligated in, in, in the Shmira of anything, I therefore have been machshir any damages that are caused, and therefore, says the Mishnah, I'm chayev to pay, um, I'm chayev to pay tashlume nezeg b'meitav ha'aretz. All right, <laughs> let's dig in. The Gemara says a third of the way down on Testament based, Tanu Rabban, and we have a brysa. This brysa, at least in the beginning, reflects what we said in our Mishnah. <clears throat> and anything that I have an obligation to watch over an item, I'm basically responsible if anything bad happens. And then the Gemara says, what is the case scenario? And this line is difficult to understand, so we're going to spend time on unpacking it. Says the Gemara, if I have an animal, or if I have a pit, and I did something that wasn't smart, 
and I gave it to a child. I gave it to a cherishot, a makata, and someone who has no das, someone whom halachically we don't trust. And then guess what happened? Vihiziko, because I gave it to someone who's not a balshmira. You, you don't give matches to a child. We'll see actually if that actually is true. <laughs> uh, halachically, where, where my burden is. If I give my child matches at the age of 11 and they burn down a building, Am I held accountable? That's going to be a halachic application from today's Gemara. We'll see that you're putter in such a case because there's too much that the kid has to do. We'll see. But anyways, the Gemara says this odd case. If I have a shore or a boar, and I give it to Cher Shor, the halach is chayav l'shalem. I, as the responsible party, I'm, I'm, I'm obligated to pay because my shmir was horrible. You don't give a wild animal to a 10-year-old. It's not a good idea. It's not going to end well, as we say. Um, however, there is an exception. So if I give a shore or if I give a boar to, and I'm just going to use a 10-year-old as an example, but it doesn't matter. It's I give a 10-year-old a shore or a boar. If he does something wrong, I, who am his father, I am obligated in, the, in whatever he does, but not if I give him fire. So if I give fire to a 10-year-old and he causes damage, I'm potter, at least bedine. Um, at least bedine adam. I might be chay bedine shemay. Okay, b'may askinan. What is this odd bifurcation that when I give a child shor and bor, all is fine and good. I'm chayev, but if I give them esh, I'm completely putter. That's very weird. So it says the Gemara b'may askinan. Ilema b'shor kasher ubor mechusa. If what we're talking about is that the shore is tied down, it has a rope on it, and the bor is covered. And what would be similar in regards to Eish Dechavasa Gabe Eish Gachelas? That's like a coal. I mean, a coal is very hot, but until you fan the flames, it's it's dangerous, but you're not going to pick it up. And it's not really a fire right now. It's hot. It's like, you know, we don't really use uh, charcoal grills that often anymore. But back in the day, we'd put like, you know, a gallon of kerosene on just for fun. And then when they would turn and look a little bit white, then you knew you were ready to cook. So that is not the same thing as a flame in halacha. A gachelis is a coal. It's a lower level of risk than an actual flame. Okay, so it says the Gemara that if that's true, that we have a gachelis, which is, you know, low level risk, we should make no distinction between the cases of shore where he's tied, the boar where it's covered, and the fire, which is gachelis. Why would the brisa at the open of our Gemara say that shore and boar, I'm going to be held accountable if my 10-year-old does something wrong, but by the gachelis, I'm not. So the Gemara says, you're right. Ella, it must be, and we're just basically exactly halfway down on Testament Bays, it must be that it's Bashor uh, Mutar, the shore was, was the, it was untied, Ubor Megula, and the pit was uncovered. And what would be similar? <clears throat> Those are, that's very risky, right? If I give uh, a wild animal to a 10-year-old on a leash and the animal weighs 2,000 pounds and my 10-year-old weighs 65 pounds, this is not a battle worth fighting. The child's going to lose and the animal's going to kill. So if it's untied or if the pit is uncovered and the Chavasa what would be an equally irresponsible case of a Shalheves, Rambo first blood, the torches, or you just like, you can't give that to a child, 10 years old. That doesn't work. So if I do that, so then what do you mean, then what would the Brysa have meant when it said that I, as the father, am not liable for the stupidity of handing my child a flame? When do we say that a child who has a fire is potter? That's only if I give him a gacheles. And that child goes the extra mile and he fans it into a flame and then it causes damage. Aval, shalhebes, chayev. 
but everybody holds that a shalhebas is chayev. So that also can't be the case. My time, huh? Why is it that a fire is more dangerous than a coal? The Gemara says the obvious, to habari hezeka. What do you mean? <laughs> All you have to do is touch it to something. You like the, you know we are like very careful in our home when our younger kids were lighting candles for Hanukkah. We until a certain age that we trust them, we would hold their forearm, we would hold their hand like this, let them hold the candle because they could burn the curtains down in three seconds. You don't give a lit match to a child, but the implication from the Gemara is that if in fact I do give only matches, a gachelis would be the equivalent. This is even less than a gachelis. If I give matches to a child and that child burns down the house, I'm for sure putter. That's for sure I'd be putter in that case. Because there's way too much for the child to do. So therefore, we don't have a, an example for our case. Again, this odd bifurcation that if I give a child a shore and a bore, then I would be chayev for their misbehaviors. But if I gave them ash, it's not going to be chayev. So two-thirds of the way down, the Gemara says, it must be le'olam b'shor kashor or bor mechusa. Really, we're going back to our first answer, where the shore is tied up. And the boar is covered. And what would be the equivalent case in regards to eshu d'chavasa gabe esh gacheles? What I gave over to my child was not uh, a torch. I gave him over a coal. And says the Gemara, I wait one second. Earlier when we saw this presentation, we said, no, that can't be. Because the Gachelis is not so dangerous. Says the Gemara, sure. Dark The Gemara here makes a halachic assumption that if you have an animal, it's dark alien tuke. It is the, the nature of the animal to want to get untied. An animal that thinks it can get out of the, the the knot that you tied around the post, it will. I don't know animals. I presume there's some truth to that. And boar, dark alien ture. And pits, people, they kick the covers of the pits by accident. They start to slide over. They also get uncovered. However, a gacheles has an even lower level of risk in regards to a child. Why? Because kama deshavikle ma'amya amya ve'azla. If I have a coal, and I say to my child, please watch this, uh, these coals in the grill. What's the most likely thing my kid's going to do? Nothing. Nothing. He's going to do nothing. And what happens when you leave coals alone? They get cooler and less risky. So that's why the Gemara says that when it comes to shore and bore, if I give my 10-year-old a shore and a bore, they're going to be chayev because we assume that animals will get out of their knots and we assume that boars will get uncovered. But when it comes to a gacheles, we assume that that will cool down and therefore the child will be putter in such a case. So we've answered up that cryptic question of the Brisa. The Gemara just has one little uh, last second question to ask over here on this, on this, and then we're going to move on to a connected sugya. Wait one second. But according to Rabbi Yochanan de Amar, he argues with Reish Lakish. We saw earlier that Reish Lakish says that if I give a Shalheves to a 10-year-old, I'm going to be chayev because I'm not smart. Here, the Gemara says that, hold on one second. Rabbi Yochanan had a crazy shita, that even if I give a child, even if I give a child a torch, I would be, I would not be liable for the damage that he caused. And that must be that the equivalent case by a shore is where it is untied and the pit is uncovered. Why is it that according to Rav Yochanan, who holds that a shalhevis is pater, then why would we have a case scenario where there is a different halacha between shore and bore on the one hand and esh on the other? The Gemara says, Hasam tzavsa decheresh kagarim. And the Gemara just uses Cherish as an example. But let's say that a Cherish is the one that I had given the torch to. If he stands there perfectly, all is fine and good. He has to do a Misa to move the fire over to another item to light a fire. So that's what the Gemara says. It's a shtickle Cherish, but that's what Rav Yochanan would have to say. 
Hasam over there, that's Tzavsa, the Cherish Kagam. When would we say that a child is Potter? That's when he, uh, the Cherish is Potter, when he's actively doing something. But Hacha, Lo Tzavsa, the Cherish Kagam, it depends. Depends how much action that child is actually doing. Lemaisa, the Gemara does point this out, and it seems to be that it's quoted in Shulchan Aruch this way. That if we were to give matches to our child and they cause damage in a neighbor's property, we as parents are not held accountable because there's too much for the child to do. We should be better parents. I remember growing up when I would ever play with matches. My, uh, I remember one particular time that my mother got very Southern on me and uh, don't play with matches kind of a deal. I remember distinctly. I was pretty young. Um, but that's good. It's good. It's good parenting, but not because of Nazikin. It's just good parenting. So you don't burn yourself or the house down. Okay, says the Gemara, eight lines from the bottom on Testament Bays. We're now going to compare the strengths and weaknesses of the Avos Nazikin. We're going to compare and contrast. In this case, you'll see Shor and Bor. Let's get started. Tanu Rabbanon. Chomer Bishor Mi Bibor. There's something that's stringent about Shor more so than Bor. And Chomer Bibor Mi Bishor. And the opposite is also true that Bor has a Chiddush to it as well. Let's go through the permutations. Chomer Bishor Mi Bibor. What is strict about shor more than bor? Shahashor mishalim esa kofer. Kofer is a din in chumash that a person has to pay if there's damage from a shor. And if my animal kills your evet, I owe you shloshim shekel. Nigmar dino, once the psak on a, on a shor has been given in, that it's chayv misa aser behana, that the animal's aser behana. The dark and a shor is mobile. So a shore can walk around and it can therefore cause damage. And none of these, Masha'in Kain Babor, none of these apply by Bor. So we have a lot of Chidushim as it relates to the world of shore that don't apply by Bor. And on two lines from the bottom, the Gemara says, but what are the Chumras? What are the Chidushim by Bor that don't apply by shore? What is the Chumr Babor mi Bishor? Shehabor, very, very important for the Lamdas of the Masechta. I'll articulate this clearly so that we have it very clear for, the, our, for our learning for the rest of the Babas. When you have a pit, we assume a pit is muad the second it's created. But when you have a shore, a shore has to establish itself as evil first. So when we compare Tom and muad, we've spoken about Tom and muad before. Tom is a docile, calm animal. A muad is an animal that's dangerous. How we get there, two or three occurrences. Not for now. But when we say that a shore is when it starts out a tom, that's only true by a shore. But if you dig a hole in the ground, that's muad from day one. And that why that's why there's a chumra by bor. That's what the Gemara says over here, two lines from the bottom. Shabor, tchilas asiyasa lenezeku muad mitchilas. So mashain kein b'shor. Very good. That was comparison number one between the world of shore and bor. And on the top of Yudamad Aleph, let's compare two more things. Top line, first words. Says the Gemara, Chomer Bishor Mi Fire is also more uh, stringent, has more chidushim than Eish. In what way? We'll see in a moment. And Chomer Beish Mi Bishor is also a Chomer by Eish. Let's go through each side. Chomer Bishor Mi What is unique about Shor as it relates to Eish? Shashor Meshalim Kofer, like we saw when we compared it to Bor. That by a shore you have to pay kofer, which is a Torah's consequence for your animal damaging. The chai v'shloshim shall eved. If the animal uh, gores an eved, we have to pay shloshim shekel. Nigmar dino aser behano. And when an animal that's a shore is nigmar dino, when a bezdin decides on that animal that it needs to die, from that moment it becomes aser behano. And masro lecher shot v'katan chai. And if I were to have given a shore 
then the katan would have been chayim. Masha'ein kein beish. This was implied in the brisa that we started with in the middle of Testament Beis, that there's a different set of halachos in regards to fire than there is in regards to shore. That's why the Gemara says over here that by shore, um, we have this din that if you give it to a cheir, show it to a katan, you're chai. But by fire, that's not true. That was exactly the case we saw before. Machlokes, Reb Shimon, Reish Lakish, and Reb Yochan on what the application is. Is it only a gacheles or is it even a shalhebes? That we saw on the bottom of Testament Beis. But the point was still clear. And what about five lines down on Yudam Aleph? What about Chomer Be'esh Mi Bishor? What's unique about Esh that is not applicable to the world of Shor? Says the Gemara. Sheha Esh, excuse me, Mu'edes Mitchilasa. Bor and Esh have a similarity which is dissimilar to Shor. Huh? So the fire, oh, I'm just reading English here. The fire is ruined from the outset? Okay. Yep. Because fire is, is dangerous inherently. A, a shore is not dangerous inherently. Most cows are calm. I mean, I don't know anything about cows, but I'm presuming most cows are calm. I, I, got, I, I am a zoologist. I'm sure there are dangerous cows. I'm sure. Yeah, that's true. So I'm not talking about those things, but I'm just saying most animals are docile until proven otherwise. So that's why when it comes to fire, when it comes to Asian and boar, those two things are dangerous out of the gates. You have a hole in the ground. That's just dangerous. It's just dangerous. You have a fire. That's dangerous. We tell our kids, don't touch fire. You're going to burn yourself. That You don't have to touch it three times to establish. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's why the Gemara says that Chomer Be'esh, we be sure, five, six lines down, Esh has one thing over shore, which is that Sheha'esh Mu'edes Mitchilasama She'en Kein Bishor. Now let's compare Esh and Bor. Chomer Be'esh Mi Bebor, Bechomer Bebor Mi Be'esh. We see that there's something unique about Esh more so than Bor, and something unique about Bor more so than Esh. Let's go through. Chomer Bebor Mi Be'esh. What's unique about a Bor as it relates to Esh? Shetchilas Asiya So Lenezek, that the very beginning of a Bor is for damage. These things are not true by Esh. And what is unique about Esh that doesn't apply by Bor? Fire moves. Pits don't move. Says the Gemara. And their Muad, they are assumed to be damaging no matter what. Whether or not it's consuming its normal fuel or an abnormal fuel, by boar, we have distinctions because by boar, not everything that falls into a boar a boar is the owner going to be chayev. We learned about kalim the other day, that if kalim fall into a boar, we're going to see machlokas about this now, but if kalim fall into a boar, then according to some, you're not chayev on that damage. When it comes to ash, whatever it consumes, you're obligated. I asked the Gemara a quarter of the way down at the beginning of the line. We're missing something in this brisa. We should have learned that there's a stringency by shore more than bore. That when a shore steps on a cle, he's, uh, the owner is obligated. However, but when it comes to a bore, as mentioned, there are shitas that hold that if kalim fall into a bore, the owner is not held accountable. So why don't we make this distinction when the Brisa was comparing shore and bore? Why didn't we distinguish between the fact that shore, when it damages kalim, the owners are chayev, but bore, when kalim fall in and they're broken, you're putter. 
So to this, the Gemara says, great question, but how money? It must be that the author of this lengthy b'risa is Rabbi Yehudahi. Rabbi Yehudah is of the opinion that if kalim fall into, I'm going to use this as an example. I don't know if it's a kli. Uh, let's just, kids are riding a bike and the bike falls in, kids fine. The bike falls in and and, and it breaks. So that's that's a machlokas tanaim again. Assuming it's a cleat, that's a machlokas tanaim. If you're if you're going to be held liable as the owner of that bor, but if we hold like Rabbi Yehuda who holds that you're mechayev al nizke kalim babor, that if a cleat were to fall into a pit, you are chayev. That's why the brisa didn't distinguish between shore and bor as it relates to kalim, because Rabbi Yehuda holds your chayev. There's no reason to distinguish if you hold that way. Says the Gemara, that's not so simple. Third of the way down, e Rabbi Yehuda. If, in fact, Rabbi Yehuda is the author of our Mishnah, and the reason that we wanted to go in that direction is because Rabbi Yehuda answered the question of uh, why we didn't make a distinction between Shor and Bor by Kalim, Amosefa, the Brisa, won't work out well for him. What did the Brisa say, the Brisa that we just saw? We saw that the Brisa said, that we said that fire is worse than a boar because fire travels. And Muadin, it's Muad, it's Muedes, I should say that it is uh, by its nature going to consume whatever is in front of it. And now the Gemara says, that by bor it's not true. Oh, so we have to figure out what the what it means, and what's a normal thing for fire to consume? I think we all know. It's wood, says the Gemara, Eitzim. What's davar she'ain ra'oila my ninhu? What did the brisa mean when it was talking about a fire that consumes something that it should not really be consuming? It's not a normal thing to consume. Kalim. So says the Gemara, um, that would be ma she'ain kain babor. So it seems from the brisa that kalim are different than bor. It seems that there's a stira in the brisa that Rabbi Yehuda can't be sovel. Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion that if kalim fall in, but there's an implication in this brisa, the difference between that which is normal for a fire to burn and that which is not normal for a fire to burn. And since kalim are not the normal fuel for a fire to burn, therefore we should assume that you're exempt. And says the Gemara, if you want to say that our, our brisa, the lengthy brisa we've been learning as we compare and contrast the Avos Nazik and his Rabbi Yehuda, can't be. But that's not what, uh, what our brisa implies. It's nice you're trying to overlay the shita of uh, rebut. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So the Gemara pivots. The Gemara says, you're right. And we're halfway down on Yudamad Aleph, another Amut to go. Really, we hold like the Rabbanon. And the Rabbanon are of the opinion that when Kalim fall into a boar, you're putter. And why wasn't it listed as a difference between shore and boar? Because it wasn't an exhaustive brysa. The brysa says that it should have been included. Really, the author of our brysa, there were many differences between Shor and Bor. One of them was Kalim, and we left it out. But really, we hold like the Rabbanon, that if Kalim were to fall into a Bor, then the owner is putter from any damages of those Kalim. So as we know, this is a Shas concept. We've seen this a dozen times in Shas. Whenever a Mishnah excludes one thing, it has to at least exclude one other thing. We assume that Mishnayis are either exhaustive to the point that nothing was left out, or they were not exhaustive and numerous things were left out. So if you want to say, and you can do this, if you want to say 
that the reason why we don't distinguish between Shor and Bor as it relates to Kalim is because it was left out. That's fine. No problem. We hold like the Rabbanan. The Rabbanan hold that when Kalim fall in to a Bor, your putter. And the reason the Brysa didn't distinguish was because there were things left out. What was another thing that was left out? That's what the Gemara says. My shear to high shear. What else was left out of the of the brisa in addition to the fact that Kalim are putter? Says the Gemara, shear tamun. What was left out is if, let's say that I store a very, very valuable book inside a bale of hay and uh, that bale of hay gets lit on fire. So now I've ruined the bale of hay, but I also ruined that which was tamun, which was hidden inside the bale of hay. So says the Gemara, potter. That let's say I keep that there and you burn that down. The halacha is that you're potter on paying me back for that which is hidden. So now we have two things that were left out of our, our brysa. The first thing that was left out of our brysa when we discussed the differences between shore and bor, the first difference is that kalim was left out. Kalim is putter by bor and chayev by shore. Guess what? The same thing is true by tamun. That if a shore damages something that was tamun, chayev, but if a boar damages something which was, that if an ish damages something that was tamun, you're going to be putter. And the Gemara says, actually, we could even say, like the answer that we just rejected a, a couple of minutes ago, really, we could even say it's Rabbi Yehuda. And it's not a stira, because really what we should not have done was learned that the Dabr She'en Ha'ra'oi in Ra'oila was talking about um, was talking about Kalim. What did the Brisa mean when it said the Dabr She'en Ra'oila, that Brisa that's 12 lines up? So there the Gemara says, Lav La'asuye Kalim. You wanted to say that that which was the abnormal thing which fire consumed was kalim, and therefore if Yehuda can't work with our brisa, no, perhaps that's not true. Ella, perhaps it's la asuye avana. Perhaps what we're saying is the ptur is when a fire singes that which is around you. If it singes rocks, if it singes equipment, and it gets stained, maybe we can assume that that was going to be a difference between them. It says the Gemara, therefore, we have a reasonable answer for Rabbi Yehuda too. Asks the Gemara, Maski Floravashi, I don't understand. What we should have done was listen, Chomer Beshor, Mibebor. We should have written that there was something, that there was a difference between a shore and a bore. Shashor Chayev Bo, Shor Psule Mukdashin, Mashain Kain Bebor. Chomer Beshor, Mibebor, Shashor Chayev Bo, Shor Psule Mukdashin. Let's say that we had an animal that was muktash to be a korban, and then it got a psul. That's what psule muktashin are. It's animals that should have been put on the base uh, on the mizbeach, but a psul took place. So that also should be a difference between a shore and a bor, because there we would have said by a shore your chayev mashein kain bebor. So says the Gemara. If you want to say like the answer of the Rabbanan, remember the Rabbanan said that multiple things were left out of our Mishnah. Our Mishnah was not exhaustive in regards to the differences between Shor and Bor. It left out Kalim. It left out Tamun. And here's a third one that it left out, which is Psule Muktashin. That's great. I did the Shire Hach, Shire Nami Hach. Because we already left out Kalim and we already left out Tamun, no big deal. We've left out multiple things from our Mishnah. Good to go. Ella. But if, in fact, you want to say, if you really want to say that our Mishnah is, in fact, Rabbi Yehuda, then this is the only thing Rabbi Yehuda is leaving out. And if that's true, that Rabbi Yehuda is leaving out the case of Sulei Muktashin, my shir to high shir, 
What else was left out according to Rabbi Yehuda? I understand, again, like before, the Shnais don't have to be exhaustive when they make a list. And perhaps Rabbi Yehuda is right that what was left out over here was the case of Psulim Mukdashin, that by Shore you're Chayim, and by Bor you're Patim. Very possible. But if we say that one thing was left out of this Brisa, then a second thing must also be left out. Therefore, the Gemara says, my Shir, the high Shir, must be Shir, Dosh Beniro. That when the animal is Dosh Beniro, the animal's walking around, it's trampling fields, Maybe that's what was left out, says the Gemara. No, imishum dash beniro. That can't be because laf shiuruhu. That was not left out of our Mishnah. The Hatana has the language. Our Mishnah already writes shekain darko lelechu lahazik. We know that shvarim walk around and they damage things when they step all of the time. I went horse riding this past summer. Past summer, every footstep they took was like three inches deep into the ground. They ruined it. The grass is not growing there anymore. They ruined it, and that's fine. It was a horse trail, so it didn't matter. But if you have a shore walking around regular people's grass, it's going to start ruining things after a while. So the Gemara says that we can't have it be that in addition to that which was a Psule Mukdashin, Rabbi Huda was also talking about Dosh Beniro, because Dosh Beniro trampling ground was already included in the Mishnah's phraseology of Shekin Darko, Lelich Hazik. We therefore fall back on the appropriate answer of our Gemara that our Mishnah's really like the Rabbanon, and the Rabbanon hold that Kalim are putter when they fall into a boar, and so is Tamun, and so are Psule Mukdashin. So that is an appropriate summary of our Mishnah, that when our Mish- when we look at the Brisa, I should say, not our Mishnah, the Brisa that compares uh, Shor and Boar, there are numerous things that are left out of the Mishnah, and we hold like the Rabbanon. Here are the three that we know of. There are three things that were left out, that if you have a case of Kalim, by Shor your Chayev, if they get hurt, by Boar your putter. If you have Tamun, by Shor your Chayev, by Boar your Pater. Psule Mukdashin is the third. What? What? what, what? By Tamun, by Aish, right. Wait, so that should, right. Is that also true by Boar? It doesn't really apply. And what would be the case? It has to be by Aish. And then lastly, Psule Mukdashin is also a distinction. Very good. That brings us to the two dots. And now we're going to dig into to one of the difficult languages that we saw in our Mishnah. The Mishnah writes, We had said this strange language that if you do partial damage, that you're going to be held accountable as though you damaged it in full. And that is not a simple thing. So what does that mean? Says the Gemara, Tanu Rabban, the Brisa writes, if in fact I was machshir a little bit of damage, it's really like I was mashlim that I, I caused all the damage. So what's the case where my partial damage is treated like full damage? What is that? So it says the Gemara as follows: tisha. Let's say I dig a pit, and I only dig it down to nine tefachim. We have a halachic assumption that death cannot occur with a pit that's only nine deep, only with 10 deep. And then you come along, you dig the pit and make it 10 deep. Who's the murderer? The guy who dug nine or the guy who dug the 10th? So what do we see over here? That perhaps the case of our Mishnah, where I only did a little bit of work, but I ended up taking all of the brunt of the responsibility is if I were to have been in a case scenario where I dug the tenth, and then an animal falls in and dies. And this is Udiloki Rebbe. Rebbe disagrees with this idea, where the person who dug the tenth tefach is the one who's solely accountable. The, the Tanya. This is the Tanakama. This is our Shita. 
not Rebbe. If somebody digs nine deep, and if somebody digs uh, nine deep and then another person digs the tenth, the last person is Chayv. Rebbe argued, Rebbe Omer, Rebbe Omer, Achar Acharon Lemisa, Achar Shnehem Lenizakin. When it comes to Misa, yes, you're right that the person who dug the tenth, he's Chayv. But by Nizikin, both people are held accountable because damage could have happened even in the ninth. So that's what the Bryce says according to Rebbe. Rav Papa Omar, no, Lemisa Dibreyakol. Everybody agrees that when it comes to the 10th Tefach, it's going to be the, the responsibility of the last person. Even Rebbe would hold that way. Ika de Amre, some say that Rav Papa's line came in in a different way. La, maybe the phraseology of our Gemara was Lema de Loke Rebbe. And Amar Rav Papa, no, Lemisa Dibreyakol. Everyone agrees that when it comes to Misa, that because Misa can't happen until the 10th Tefach is dug, so he who digs the 10th Tefach is the one held accountable for murder. It says the Gemara, that's very nice that you found a, I found an answer where my partial responsibility led to my full responsibility. Namely, I only dug one tefach. It got me to the level of 10, and therefore I'm obligated for what happened. So it says the Gemara, there are other cases of partial responsibility that yield full responsibility. What are those examples? Six, seven lines from the bottom. Vo'ika, Masar Shoro, I gave my animal to five people. And under the watch of one of those five people, maybe it was a difficult animal to watch. They needed a bunch of people to watch it. Then uh, the animal did some damage. So that last person is chayv. Says the Gemara, I don't understand the case. If you want to say, that without the fifth guy, the animal wouldn't have even been uh, protected in the first case. He wouldn't have been saved. Obviously the fifth guy is held accountable. And on the flip side, Ella de Ihu Nami Mintar, but if it would have uh, only been, uh, if it was already safe with less than five people, maybe only needed three guys, but you hired four just for fun, but really it only required three or four guys. So then says the Gemara, my COVID, the fifth guy is irrelevant. How can you say he's Chayat? So it must be Ella de Ihu Nami Mintar. Mike obviously says Gemara, uh, so therefore that's not a good argument. You can't say that the case of Masar Shor the Chamisha is another example that fits within the language of our Mishnah, where our Mishnah writes that uh, middle of the road language of Hechsharti b'Miksas Nisko. So says the Gemara, but I can give you another one. Here's another example of something that's kind of halfsies, where when I do a small thing, it leads to my full responsibility. Says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom, Maskevler of Sheshes. What about the case Va'ika Mar Bechavilos? Let's say I have a fire in my yard and I really don't like you. So what I do is I stack some bales of hay so that the fire will catch from one to the next and burn your property down. I'm not the biggest tzaddik in the world, but that's what Marba Bechabilos means. I create a scenario whereby your property gets damaged. So what did I do? I only added two bundles. That's it. I didn't light the fire. I just added two bundles. Turning to the top of Yudam at base, we're going to be going, as mentioned, to the last of the short lines. If without my adding those two bales of hay that connected the fire from my yard to your yard, if without me it wouldn't have gotten there, I'm a mazik, pshita. It must be But if without the two bales of hay it wouldn't have gotten there, then how can you even say I'm held accountable at all? So says the Gemara, that case doesn't work either. So now we're going to try another case. We have two more attempts. Here's our third attempt as to trying to find another middle of the road case. We have a brysa. This is not a fun scenario. 
Five guys are sitting on a bench. The bench is integrity, holding up. This happened when I was in Hillel Torah, where somebody sat down, and when that person sat down, the bench broke under them and everybody fell. Says the Gemara, The last guy is Chai. So let's say the bench can hold 1,200 pounds. You got five guys sitting on the bench. Everybody weighs 200 pounds. And the next guy who sits down is 250. So he broke the bench. He shouldn't have sat down. He should have known. So says the Gemara, Papa, Kigon, Papa Bar Abba. Who is the, the Zafta Giyir who sits down, the big guy? The Gemara says that Papa Bar Abba was very big. And uh, he would be the kind of guy who, when he would sit down on the bench, he'd be the reason that it would break. Corpulent. Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. Corpulent. corpulent. It should have said Zaftig. <laughs> it would have been a much better word. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't, it, what are the what it has to be corporate? You can't say overweight. It's not. It's fascinating. It's that's not PC. Huh? You can't. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong in what the wording means, Rabbi Sandberg. You're right, but it's not. Uh, it's not. It's not PC. You got to say it the right way. And this was written well before PC was as sensitive as it was. This is a whole new realm. Head of their time. Okay. So it says the Gemara. Hey, Chidami. What's this case where the bench fell apart? Yeah, they say that about Rav Yochanan. That was the language of the Gemara about Rav Yochanan. He was not PC. He just called it like it is. Yeah, the Rishonim were always like that. They just... I don't think PC was a thing. What? He was in the 1100s, but it wasn't much better. No. Nobody was offended when they called him a Balbus. It was complimentary in the Gemara. It wasn't a secret. It's not. It's not a secret. It, it, like it's it, identifying someone by the. It's the bigger person. It's it. It's not. We in our culture, we're not used to that. As a descriptor, it is. It is. We teach this to little children. What's the difference between these two pictures? Oh, this one has a line that way. This one has a line that way. So you go to the Apple Store, and they take your name, and they they don't write I'm the Jewish guy. They'll write tall guy, white shirt. I'm like first of all, I'm not tall. Second of all, why don't you talk about the Jewish guy? It's a fine distinction, and I'm happy to be Jewish. They would never do it. They would never do it. But we teach kids, this is what we do when we learn. We teach hakiras and distinctions and fine differences. But then we see a difference, call it whatever, it doesn't matter. You can't, you, you guys zip the lip. You can't, you're not allowed. But we train ourselves to make differences. That's what we do. That's what that's what Talmud Chacham is. Okay, we'll talk about this another time, or maybe not. So it says the Gemara, what's the case of the bench breaking? E... Uh, if without the last guy, let's say he weighed less than 200 pounds, right? So without the last guy, it wouldn't have broken a, a, a pshita. If, if you needed him to break it, okay, we understand. Without him, it's going to break. My cop, he, he wasn't the guy who broke the, he wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back. Says the Gemara, so, so. Uh, so, sorry, before, before so, so therefore the Gemara says that this case cannot be another sample of our Mishnah. We're over 3 and trying to find uh, other other samples. But says the Gemara, wait, we still want to understand the case of Rav Papa with the, with the broken bench. So, so, masnisa Still, how do we have a case where the last guy is Chayim? Says the Gemara, lo tzricha, dibelav ihu, have a misbar betray sha'ich. Without the last guy, the bench would have taken two hours to break. The hashta isbar Now this guy sits down and it's not going to last two hours. It's only going to last one hour. So it's not right away. Correct. 
Without you, we would have sat. We would have chilled for a while. And when we would have gotten up off the bench and nothing would have broke. You sat down. We lost our two hours. And we now that we sat for an hour, you made it break. It's your fault. So says the Gemara, You're right that I sat down. But if I sit down and it doesn't break, then the disbursement of all of our weight is what broke it. It wasn't a momentary thing. It was an hour later. Don't blame me. You also weigh 200 pounds. Don't blame me. So the Gemara says, you're 100% right. This is a great point. Lotricha, what did the Bryce mean that Rav Papa brought? Lotricha de Bahade de Samech Behu Tavar. He walked over and the man put his hands on someone's shoulders. And as he put his hands on someone's shoulders, that guy couldn't get up. And his weight was holding him down. And that's why he was high. But it has to be crystal clear that he was the reason that it broke. He, the other guys couldn't even get up. That's what the Gemara says as the example. Says the Gemara, Pshita. Yeah, you walked over it. You pressed down on a man who was sitting on a bench that was weak. And you broke the bench. Says the Gemara, not so simple. Ma'udetema, a third of the way down. I might have thought, Koho lav kegufo dami. That the pressure that I put on your shoulders as you sit on the bench is somewhat indirect. And therefore, it's not kegufo. It's not me doing the damage, I put my hand on your shoulders, you're sitting on the bench, your weight compounded by my weight is what broke it. Kamash malan de kocho kegufo dami. De kohecha de gufo tavar kocho nami tavar. If it would have been that he sat down and it would have broke, then him leaning on the guy on the bench and then it broke, he would be held accountable. Therefore, Lemaisa. Let's say that uh, someone is leaning up against a wall. A piece of drywall, and you take your hand and you just you gently like you bump into him, just joking around, and the wall breaks. You're guilty. He was fine without you. You made it worse, and because he couldn't do anything else about it, he couldn't control it. You are the guilty one. Says the Gemara. One last attempt of adding another example. Remember, we already found our example of if someone who digs the tenth tefach. We want to see if we can find another partial case. The suleka. Do we not have another one? Says the Gemara. We have a brisa. And the Brysa writes as follows. Let's say that um, a man is being hit by 10 sticks. This happened today. I don't know if you saw the news. A high school kid was beaten to death in Texas by a bunch, uh, a group of his peers. That's, what? No. <laughs> no. Also true, but no. So this, the person was, was beaten with sticks. Why is everybody punter? Because we don't know who, who, who caused the death. We don't know everybody's punter. Rabbi Yehuda ben Beseir pulls out one of the kids and no, if it's sequential hits, we go around. You ever see those pictures of people, I've been working on the railroad. They like have one guy hit the stake and everybody, they have four guys hitting the thing one at a time because that way they can get more hits in at the time. It works great. But if the last guy hits and then the patient dies, so then so that's a good example. Nine guys hit, I'm the 10th. And if I hit and he dies, it's my, my fault. But I only did one thing in and of itself, it wouldn't have killed him. But in when you aggregate all of the hits together, of course it would have killed him. Says the Gemara, you're right, but that our Mishnah is not dealing with uh, death. Says the Gemara, what are you talking about? That was the case on the bottom of the previous page. That was the case of the boar. You dug nine, I dug the tenth. We just said that I was held accountable. Says Gemara, how can you say that? After all, maybe we're just talking about uh, that we're not talking about cases of machlokas. How can you say that? We already distinguished that we weren't talking about Shitas Rebbe when it came to Misa. 
So it says the Gemara, very, uh, a very important distinction. If you're going to try to say we hold that it's not like Rebbe and we hold like the Rabbanon, what rule is being employed? If you want to say that we don't hold like Rebbe and we do hold like the Rabbanon, no problem. Normal, typical Psak rules. However, if you want to say, there you're holding like a Yachid in the place of the Rabbim, and that is that we are not allowed to do. We're going to stop right here at the two dots. Amir Sashem tomorrow night will pick up here at these two dots and learn the rest of Yudam and Beis and Yudalov. Wishing you all a beautiful night.